Welcome to Sportsbeat KC, the Kansas City Stars daily sports podcast. It's Thursday, January 7th, and I'm Blair Kirkhoff. The NFL playoffs are here, and the Chiefs are sitting out the first weekend as the AFC's top seed, but there's plenty to talk about. And we did so with Chiefs beat writer Herbie Teope and columnist Vahe Gregorian. We previewed this weekend's AFC games, discussed Patrick Mahomes and the MVP race, speculated on a possible Eric Bieniemy landing spot if he becomes a head coach, and talked much more. We'll be back with Sportsbeat Live next Thursday before the Chiefs playoff opener and might even sneak one in on Monday when we know the playoff opponent, but let's get started today with Vahe and Herbie talking Chiefs. Herbie Teope and Vahe Gregorian are here and we're going to talk Chiefs. Let me first say that you might, during the football season, be used to hearing our Thursday podcast as a replay of a sports beat live recorded on uh, on Thursday morning, but uh, we had some conflicts. We couldn't get uh, couldn't get the band together uh, in a complete way for sports beat live, so we're doing it in podcast form. I'm really happy that Vahe and Herbie were able to uh, to join us today, and I think you'll get the full group hopefully on Monday morning when we take a first look at the Chiefs playoff opponent we will know that on on monday might know it on saturday it's it's possible to know it on saturday um uh, but maybe not uh, maybe we won't know for sure until late sunday night so um hey one other thing before we get started that i wanted to uh that i wanted to say and that was to to uh, offer a salute to the um the kansas city stars uh, and mcclatchy's coverage teams uh news side and editorial board for the work that they did on Wednesday covering the riots in in Washington DC um, I was we were all riveted to the um, to the to, I'm sure to, to our favorite cable television network but I found myself um, you know refreshing constantly uh, our our website to the kansascity.com to, to read the updates and and to see what Brian Lowry, especially, but uh, but our editorial board also, what they had to say. So, um, quite a day in in, in Washington D.C. and in the country on on Wednesday. And I just thought, as always, as always, the star and McClatchy rose to the to the occasion and covered it in a uh, just just excellent way. So just just wanted to get that out. Where, Salute to I, go ahead, Vi. If I may just chime in, just to really kind of reiterate your point i mean you know it was a basically a nation convulsed yesterday with this going on we're all uh unable to look away once we're once we're um taking it in and and uh what happens the journalists uh of, as you noted particularly of mcclatchy and the star um go into it and keep moving and and do the hard work and and uh uh, our own Brian Lowry in- included in that with uh, checking in with local local Congress people. And I, I just was amazed at that. And uh, well said, and I echo the salute. You, you know, it's funny, Vahe and, and Herbie, we'll be in the newsroom sometimes and we'll get, um, you know, we'll, we'll see a, a Glenn Rice or a Laura Bauer or Judy Thomas and, um, and, and, and they'll express how much they uh, they admire the work that we do covering you know covering sports. And I'm, sometimes I'm embarrassed by that. Um, but listen, we, we it's it's um, it's some, some, something of a labor of love for what we do, and and it is for them as well. But 
they, um, uh, I, I just, uh, my, my admiration knows no bounds for, for, for the people who work here on the news side and the, uh, and the job that they do. And that goes all the way up the, up the ladder to the, um, you know, to the editors as well. So, uh, again, uh, if, if you haven't read it, uh, pick up a Kansas City Star today or go to KansasCity.com and read the coverage of one of the, um, uh, one of the craziest days uh, that, that I can remember. So, Hey, so let's talk Chiefs. That's why we're here. And um, and Herbie, as always, why don't you get us started? Uh, there was a there was a new name to the um, to the I guess it's the injury list um, after um, the the, uh, the regular season finale against the Chargers on Sunday. We got that list from you know from Andy Reid after the game, but uh, but in the last couple of days, another name has popped up, and it's Mike Dana, the, the defensive end who. Uh, who I think is having a pretty nice season is as a, you know, as a rookie. He is on the COVID nineteen list. What what does that mean, and and what what do you project his uh, availability to be? Well, it's not just it's not just Mike Dana. They had a coach, uh, strength yeah, and conditioning right. coach Barry Rubin, tested positive on Tuesday, so uh, he's out of the building now. And with the strict protocols, he won't be around the team for at least two weeks. Ten to 14 days, uh, the NFL is going to follow the CDC guidelines on this one. Uh, with Mike Dana, uh, it, it really depends on if he tested positive or if he was a high-risk contact. If he tested positive, now his availability for the divisional round will, will be certainly in jeopardy because he has to be away from the team for 10 days. If he's a high-risk contact, as some reports suggest, the Chiefs aren't confirming this, but if it's a high-risk contact, he has to go through the, the COVID protocols of five days of isolation uh, and obviously test negative for five consecutive days before he's even allowed to return to the team facility. Now, that's going to affect him if he's a high-risk contact because the Chiefs return to practice, well, today, it's Thursday, so they're going to be going through a walkthrough practice Thursday and Friday, take the break. And then next week, ramp up for the AFC divisional round. Uh, his situation and this whole COVID thing, as we're discussing this, it, it has affected the league uh, over the last couple of weeks. You think about the Cleveland Browns right now, three of their coaching staff, including the head coach and two of their players, yeah. won't even, yeah, they won't even be around this weekend for uh, their first playoff appearance in years. Uh, but for, as far as the Chiefs are concerned, they did get Anthony Hitchens back off of the reserve COVID-19 list. He was uh, he missed the last two regular season games, but he was deemed a high risk contact as someone as opposed to testing positive. So we're, we're starting to see the challenges that the NFL has, has faced throughout the year. It was, it's highly commendable. They did get 256 games in, but the pandemic still continues to affect the league. Hey, Blair and Herbie, it, it, do I, am I remembering this right? is the only person with the Chiefs who actually tested positive for COVID-19 as opposed to having enough exposure to end up on the, the list, is the only person, uh, Rick Burkholder, the, the, the team's uh, infectious control officer, and as we know, uh, vice president of sports and performance? No, also don't forget McCole Hardman, because we also got him. McCole Hardman uh, was placed on the list during the team's bye week. But but did he and have COVID? That's what I'm trying to remember. Did he, yeah, yeah, yeah he, okay. he, he pretty much confirmed it, you know, he, he when we talked to him in early December. That's right. Uh, Anthony okay. Sherman, who ended up missing three games, did not test positive. He was actually deemed a high-risk contact as well. 
Okay. And I remember, and I remember Hardman saying he didn't feel the symptoms. He just was. He had the positive test, but didn't didn't feel the symptoms. It was a. Correct. So hey, well that's um, you know the the Anthony Hitchens news. His his ability to return is big news for the Chiefs because of the issues they were having at that position group um, in the last couple of weeks of the season. They were. Um, I think they were down. Am I right about this? They were down to two healthy linebackers against the Chargers last week. Correct. On the active roster, you had Darius Harris and Willie Gay. And, of course, Willie Gay, as, as our colleague Sam McDowell reported, suffered a high ankle sprain. So he's out a projected two to four weeks. Uh, the, 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 the optimistic side with two weeks means he'll be available for the divisional rounds. If it's the four-week timetable, then you know we might not see him again until the Super Bowl. Okay, sounds good. And uh, let me throw a couple other names at you, Herbie, just to get some, um, just to get a sense of uh, of possible availability. And speaking of the linebacker group, Dorian O'Daniel is one. We haven't seen him since I want to say week. It was a week eleven. I can't remember where he got the high ankle the high ankle sprain, but um, he went on injured reserve. And but he's been practicing. The Chiefs don't have to count him against the fifty three. Um, I, I thought maybe we'd see him against the Chargers, but uh, not so. He is such a, uh, a, a you know valuable special teams guy, four-phase special teams guy. What, what do you think the prospect of seeing Dorian O'Daniel in uniform again is? Yeah, you're correct. With, with all the COVID rules, you can place players on injured reserve. You can move them in and out, but they have to spend a minimum of three weeks on the list. So what the Chiefs did was after he suffered the high ankle sprain, I believe it was December the 4th was when they officially placed him on injured reserve. The final week of the preseason was his first week back. So what? once a team designates a player as return to practice, it opens a 21-day window for the team to evaluate him. They, they, they either determine that he's healthy enough to return or you have to leave him on injured reserve. So that, that window is still open for the Chiefs to bring him back. Considering that he did return... Uh, and we've seen this with the Chiefs throughout the year, or excuse me, this past regular season with players who were placed on short-term injury reserve. They did eventually bring them back. And I think, like, for them, the re- probably one of the main reasons they didn't activate him for Week 17 was because he's such a, he's such a key contributor on special teams. They rested a lot of key players in Week 17. There was really no need to bring him up for the season finale. You'll probably see him the divisional round if he's healthy. Okay, and just one final name. Uh, the the vibes just aren't good for a return for Mitchell Schwartz, are they? I mean, we're just just not sensing that we're going to see him again this year. Yeah, and I tend to agree with that. You know, Andy Reid. I've asked him consistently over the last month of the season what is going on with Mitchell Schwartz, and he keeps saying, "Look, it's it's really going to depend on what the doctors think. It's really going to depend on how Mitchell Schwartz feels." Uh, but we're talking about a back injury here, and the fact that he hasn't been practicing. What, I think he got injured in week six against the, was that a week six or week five against the Buffalo Bills? But that's a long time ago. <laughs> so he hasn't, yeah. he hasn't played since. So that's, you know, I don't know uh, what he's been doing to stay in shape, but even if, you know, I, I think the prospects of him being available for the postseason, I, I don't think they're very good. And that's just, I'm not, I'm not a doctor, obviously, but just given what we've seen, I don't think his prospects are good. And we've just spent a few minutes talking about the two position groups that I think have caused the most concern for for Chiefs fans when they when they look at things. It's the you know the linebacking core just because of the attrition, right? Because of the injuries, it seems like every you know Neiman and Wilson and 
you know, Hitchens on the COVID list. It just, there's so many bodies uh, that have, you know, that have just run in and out here in the last few weeks. And of course, offensive line with, uh, the, as we have uh, spoken uh, to all season, you know, not the, uh, you know, the, the offensive line here at the end of the season isn't what the Chiefs expected going into the year uh, or, you know, or as, as it developed o- over the course of the season. But um, having to make do with, with what they have. And look, I, I guess when it comes to uh, offensive line play, uh, it's, it's, it's not going to be rated high among, among NFL offensive lines, but it gets the, you know, for the most part, gets the job done. And, um, and, and, you know, I guess in Andy Reid and, and, um, and, and Andy Heck, I trust to, to put together an offensive line that could go out and, and um, help the Chiefs win a playoff game or two or three. Um, we'll have to see how they line up against their uh, their first playoff opponent in the you know on the in the following week. And so speaking of the playoffs, um, this is a different year for the playoff bracket. The structure it's uh, it's seven teams. Only one got a only one got a buy in each conference. It's the the Chiefs and the AFC, the Packers and the NFC. So they'll be watching uh, the playoffs on TV this weekend. And, and from from a Chiefs perspective, the first game they'll watch is. Um, on um, on Saturday, it's Titans Ravens is the, the the game that kicks. Am I right about that? It is Titans Ravens. No, no, no. It's no, Bills Colts. Thank you, Bills Colts kick it off, and uh, it did. It's the first game on uh, on on uh, Saturday, and then the two other. Gosh, I hope I'm right about this because I don't have the schedule in front of me. But the two other AFC games are Sunday, Correct. with this with uh, uh, Ravens Titans and then Browns Steelers. Um, We'll we'll talk in greater detail next week about the opponent, but let's let's just uh, go over this again. What uh, the, the Chiefs will play the worst remaining seed that comes out of this weekend, right? So um, if the if the seventh seeded Colts or the sixth seeded Browns, you know whoever the worst seeded team is, um, and it could be as high as the fourth seeded Titans, right? So. Um, if 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 the seeded favorites win the two three and four if if it's a chalky uh, uh, playoff bracket in the first round the Chiefs would play the, the Titans so um, I'll ask each of you guys is there an opponent that the Chiefs would want to avoid in their first playoff game of the of the four that are would be eligible to play the Chiefs and that would be the fourth seeded Titans number five Baltimore uh, six. Uh, uh, Cleveland and seventh, the Indianapolis Colts. Herbie, let's start with you. Teams to avoid. You know, in in a perfect world, you know, if if there are no upsets, then you are talking about either the Titans or the Ravens. But I I think the good news for the Chiefs is they've already beaten the Ravens, and the Ravens just don't look the same, like the same offense and the same team they did last year when Lamar Jackson won the MVP. So if the Ravens do upset the four seed, uh, the Tennessee Titans, I don't think you have to worry about them at all. The Browns, we just talked about them. You know, two of their coaches, excuse me, three of their coaches, including their head coach and two players, won't even be around for the game against the Steelers. So I don't know if they have enough firepower to beat them. The team that's intriguing, you know, and I, I think like um, last weekend we discussed the Bills as a team that the Chiefs want to avoid. Uh, I don't know if the Colts have enough firepower to defeat them, but the Colts are intriguing. You know, they, they do have some weapons. They do have a battle-tested quarterback in Phillip Rivers. But again, I don't think they also have enough to beat the Bills on the road. So ultimately, I think they are going to be end up facing the Ravens. You know, it is interesting. This conversation is making me think of last year. And I, I, 
I, Mike struggled to remember exactly uh, what happened in what sequence, but I think the bottom line is that a lot was made early of, um, boy, the Chiefs really don't want to go up against the Ravens, and then look how it unfolded in such a different way, right, that it, it played out differently. So I don't know that that means uh, we should expect the Colts to beat the, the Bills or anything like that, but but I, I do feel like it, this is more of a coin toss on a lot of these things than, than we might normally expect just because of all the other variables, Herbie just alluding to COVID aspects of Cleveland situation and things like that. So, so I don't, I don't really take anything for granted on any of these matchups and Blair, as you've noted, the road records this year have been um, favorable to the, to, to the road teams. Um, so the, the, oddly enough, for all we've just said though, I think the team that uh, I think, I find uh, intriguing slash uh, concerning maybe for the Chiefs really is the Browns, just because I feel like it, it's a lesser known quantity. Um, if they do get through, uh, I don't know what the timing is exactly on the coaching staff, but if they do get through, then I think they'll have a lot of that intact. And I just think there's some variables there that are going to be uh, very, very interesting matched up against the Chiefs if it happens that way. I do feel like the Chiefs have the mojo over the Ravens, though, just to circle back to that point. Um, and probably uh, I think it would be a favorable thing in the end if the Chiefs got the cold. So there's so many scenarios, right? But that, those are the ones that come to mind. I think the Browns are playing. feel like they're playing with house money a little bit. If they can go into Pittsburgh and, and beat a team that they – you know, they just beat in Cleveland a few days ago with, um, with Pittsburgh not playing Ben Roethlisberger and some other starters. Um, uh, Cleveland, how about, you know, the Browns, as Herbie alluded to, first playoff game in, in 18 years, and they have to go into it without uh, you know, their head coach and others, uh, to, you know, not available to, to participate in this because because of COVID. And um, just a couple of thoughts on this. I, um, I remember – as the, when the Patriots were doing their thing for much of the previous two decades, and when, when they would have one of those fourteen and two type of seasons, I always thought, heck, it doesn't matter who you know what happens below them in the seeding. There, you know, teams. Some teams are just going to have to go into, you know, into Foxborough and win, you know, win, and then they'll have to, you know, another team will have to go win. And I just always thought that was, you know. That's not going to happen. Patriots aren't losing to a team at home that they're, you know, that they finished with a better record. Probably beat them during the regular season. But now that I cover a team that's in that position, I see all these little potholes and danger signs and obstacles. And you know, oh, yeah. you know, I can make a case for the all the other teams that Chiefs are playing that, uh, you know, Ravens are due. You know, Lamar Jackson hasn't won a playoff game, and um, and the Bills are look they're the hottest team in the NFL, and. Uh, you know, all these other teams, I can find a reason for them to beat the Chiefs, and yet I never felt that way when the Patriots were rolling through everybody. So, I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe there's a, a a confidence that's in the in the in the Chiefs locker room um, that 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 uh, I'm sure there is, right? There, there sh- why, why wouldn't there be a 14 and two team, and um, uh, still, um, you know. The, the image of them, you know, having to get a tipped field goal to, to beat the, the lowly Falcons in week 16, getting uh, really getting run out of the Arrowhead Stadium in week 17 by the Chargers and just not playing particularly great over the last month, Patrick Mahomes. So 
I just want you know, just wonder about those things. I, I don't, you know, I don't know. Hey, Blair, just mm. a, a side point on the on the confidence thing. It's on my mind for because of something I'm working on about uh, sort of the psychology of of repeating. And I, I had a, I think I was telling you about this the other day, an interesting talk with a sports psychologist, um, and he makes the point that no matter what we see uh, with all those close wins. Um, you know, whatever it was, seven, the last seven by 27 points, and then some others earlier. In the end, it feeds into a group dynamic that says, we will find a way. We, we'll, we'll win those games. It, it doesn't, especially if you're the Super Bowl champion and you know that, that uh, you've, you've got the mojo in you, basically. So at least in terms of what they're feeling in the locker room, and at least from afar, from a sports psychologist standpoint, um, that that framework is one of perpetuating their belief in themselves. And it's fascinating you bring that up, Vahe, because um, as you guys know, for some of our special section stories, one of my um, assignments was to talk to a couple of former Chiefs quarterbacks on what they think of this team. And, and I had an opportunity to talk to Trent Green uh, Wednesday morning, and I asked him that question, you know, about these close games. And he basically said, and I quote, these guys are up to the task. Their last seven wins were by one score or less so they know how to win the close ones they did it last year they've done it this year and patrick mahomes is the main reason for that and i think that's end quote and i think that's the biggest reason why when we look at all these these close games you know what what was the common denominator of them winning and a lot of it does fall on the, the superstar quarterback and i think that's the main reason why you have to have confidence in this team when you look at the the upcoming opponents can they beat Patrick Mahomes in this offense? Not, not many teams have. Okay, hey, hey, let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back. Hey, it's Blair. We have a special subscription offer for Sportsbeat KC listeners, unlimited digital access to the Kansas City Stars' award-winning sports coverage. Sign up now for one year of Sports Pass for access to all the sports news, features, and columns presented on the KansasCity.com site, and it's only $30. That's a 40% savings off our regular rate. Your subscription will automatically renew after the initial term at 50 bucks, unless you tell us to cancel. Your subscription helps support the sports coverage of KansasCity.com and the Kansas City Star, and that support has never been more important. Please visit KansasCity.com slash offer to get this special offer. And as always, thanks for listening. We're back with Herbie Tiope and Vahe Gregorian talking Chiefs. Okay, guys, the NFL MVP voting concluded, or votes had to be in by Wednesday this week. That's for the AP MVP award, which is the most widely recognized, um, most valuable player award for the NFL. And listen, I um, there were times in the season where I thought, uh, Patrick Mahomes was a slam dunk, but performance over the last uh, – by him in the offense over the last month or so and, and, and then compared to what Aaron Rodgers was doing in Green Bay seems to have changed the, the impression of the favorite. And certainly we, we all get the, uh, the Vegas odds emailed to us, you know, who, who's, who's the leaders. And, and Aaron Rodgers, of course, is the, is the favorite in all of that. We got to ask Patrick Mahomes about it earlier this week. And said he would love to have it, but uh, would rather, you know, would rather have the Super Bowl uh, MVP. So, 
what do you guys think? Is it, um, uh, is it, is it Aaron Rodgers' award to lose? And, um, and, and should, should, there be a, um, should there be outrage from Chiefs fans if Patrick Mahomes doesn't win it? Go for it, Vahe. Well, <laughs> you know, a couple things here. I, I think just if you're picking up on the chatter or whatever we'd call what we're hearing on social media and the cases being made, I, I suspect Aaron Rodgers is kind of in the driver's seat. I think you guys, particularly Herbie, maybe uh, uh, on the beat, in the nitty-gritty of the beat, would have a better feel for that around the league. So I, I, I could foresee that that being the case. You know, I, I think Chiefs fans might be a little bummed, but I, I also don't think anybody's too hung up on it either. I think one thing that I've kind of come to understand, and I'd be interested in how you guys see this, is, you know, it is obviously statistically based in a lot of ways, right? The, the, the casual voter on these things will look at numbers maybe and probably more than feel or – thinking through how each game went. I mean, we've seen a couple of Chiefs games where um, if they were in position to have to rally, Patrick's numbers might look different. Instead, they were running four-minute drills to lead the clock. Just some things yeah. like that about, the, you know, the, the, the three phases of the game and how it plays into trying to win. Um, I do think, Blair, I, I think about this phrase often. I think we were there together for a NCAA tournament mock bracket when – Gary Walters of Princeton was the NCAA tournament committee chairman. And I remember him using this line that if you, if you torture, torture the numbers, torture the data long enough, you can get it to confess to anything. So whatever it is you want to get those numbers to tell you about how you want to vote is how you can look at it. But I just think there's more to it. And I think the chiefs fan can rest pretty secure and assured that, that Patrick Mahomes is a really good quarterback and, um, how we'll feel, how they'll feel about this season is going to be about the next month, much more so than whether he gets that honorary uh, title. And I tend to agree with Vahe there, but you know what? I'm going to say this. Maybe there's a little bias in me because we cover the team. Uh, so I haven't had the ability to really watch what Aaron Rodgers has done, but I, Mahomes to me is the MVP. You know, Andy Reid's offense and the things they're able to do and I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers is not special because he is a special quarterback. We know that. You know, we, we, we've seen some of the throws he makes. But as far as the Chiefs offense goes and as far as what Andy Reid has been able to do with his offense, it all starts with, with number 15. And some, of, some of those throws he makes I think are better than what Aaron Rodgers can make. To me, he is the MVP. You know, I, somebody had a, an interesting thought last week, or maybe it was before the the Week 17 game, where Rodgers had a, a great game, right? He threw the, I think he threw four touchdown passes, and you know, got his numbers up, and you know, and and so he got an opportunity to make a final statement. Patrick Mahomes did not get that opportunity because all he did was lead his team to a 14 and you know, at the time, 14 and one record, uh, best record in the NFL this season, and you know, he could have played in. You know, in in the week seventeen game, and added a couple of you know, added a few touchdown passes and yards, and improved his passer rating, all that. But um, but no, uh, he was he, he sat you know he, he sat out with other starters. Um, I I think that's what's going to happen. I think it'll it'll go um, Rogers, Mahomes, and then Derrick Henry in the voting. Henry with a two thousand yard rushing season, which doesn't happen very often in the NFL, and. Um, I, I don't think there'll be a lot of outrage in Kansas City, especially as if, if uh, what you say, Vahe, is uh, you know the you know Mahomes ends up leading it, uh, leading the, the Chiefs to the Super Bowl. 
I would love to see those um, those teams meet in the Super Bowl, Chiefs and Packers. I think that would be a, a fantastic game and um, and and, and uh, would be a, what, a rematch of Super Bowl one. So that would be pretty cool. Let's, uh, let's yeah. So let's let, let's finish with this with a thought on Eric Bieniemy. Um, as of now, he has interviewed for five of the six. Uh, head coaching positions that are open um, in the NFL. The, the only one that he hasn't interviewed for is the Houston Texans. I don't know if there's, if, uh, if that's scheduled or not, but, uh, but five of the six, I guess in the COVID uh, virtual world world, it's easy to do five interviews in what in three days, um, you know, just, you know, just click on the zoom link and, and you're interviewing. So it's not like you had to get on a plane and zip around the country for these things. So my, um, it, it seems to me that if it doesn't happen for Eric Bieniemy this year, then there is a kind of a, a deeper story with several levels maybe to explore, um, and and, uh, and, and, and and we will do it, uh, I'm sure, and, and you'll do it as well. So what uh, what do we make of Eric Bieniemy interviewing around the NFL, and um, and, and is, is 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 this the year he gets the job? Yeah, and look, that that's obviously an open question. Um, I think that the things we can think about are that the last two years he was 0 for 7 on, on interviews. Um, but I think we could also make a case that the last two years you were still waiting to see him, um, I think, just get more comfortable in the job. He'd only been offensive coordinator for a year when he started the first round of interviews than, than last year. And I think we've all seen him um, – you know, mature just in the press conferences. Uh, I, I, I wish he'd be a little more um, forthcoming about some things. But, you know, he also works for a guy who, who took took a long time to uh, to uh, go beyond what, what he's got in his vest and, and, and share more. So, um, so, but to your point, Blair, if, if he doesn't get a job now, we'll think of it as him being – essentially 0 for 13, certainly 0 for 12, probably on things he interviewed for. And I tried to make the point of what I wrote today. I, 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 uh, I spoke with Willie Lanier, who's been advocating for this kind of change with the ears of NFL commissioners for more than a generation now. Um, and, it, you know, you, you, you can look at each individual decision and I'm sure you can find a way to you know, rationalize is probably the, the, the right term but rationalize why they did they went a different way, right? Who they chose instead, why, what the fit was, et cetera. But when you put it in the big picture, sort of the collage of the whole thing, it really looks the plausible deniability is kind of kind of gone, right? I mean, it it, it if you've got 13 times you had an opportunity to hire uh, an African American coach in in a league that now has two two black head coaches. Um, something is awry and I get that everybody's got to get the right fit for them. But I think to Willie Lanier's point, um, you know, at some point the guy that's got as good or better credentials than everybody else just has to get a chance and whatever your, (laughs) you know, whatever your misgivings might be about him. Um, it's a little bit like you were talking about earlier. You know, you see the, the, might see the flaws in the, in the teams we see more closely, but, that it, it, it nobody's perfect. Give the guy a chance. Bravo, Vahe. Bravo. 
I, I agree. It's very well said. Look, I, and I'm not. You know what? The NFL NFL history is filled with coaches who ended up being mediocre and lost their job and then got hired uh, for another job, right? For another head coaching job. So we have people we call retreads. And, uh, um, you know, I, I, I don't want it to sound wrong here, but I think Eric Bieniemy. I think what you said, Vahe, is that his resume absolutely is a uh, – it deserves to have – he deserves to have a job based on his resume, and if he turns out to be a mediocre head coach, well, well, that that's how I'll know. You know, the NFL has made progress in this area, right? right. Um, it, and if he's and it, mediocre head coach and then hired by somebody else right. uh, to be to be given a, a next chance, then we can talk about equality in the in the coaching ranks in, in the NFL. I listen; these are you know, NFL teams are you know billion dollar you know. Uh, industries and um, and and they 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 have a lot at stake with the hiring of a head coach. Uh, Eric Bieniemy deserves to be in this club and and to be a head coach. So here's hoping that it happens for him. You know, as as somebody who follows the Chiefs, if you're a Chiefs fan, I think you'd prefer to like like the previous two offensive coordinators that left the Chiefs. You prefer to see Bieniemy in the NFC rather than the AFC. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll just see what uh, where, where this goes. To, to that um, point, though, Blair, I, I'm going to tell you, you, you mentioned you know you prefer to see him in the NFC, but we look at the five teams uh, that he's interviewed with, Atlanta, Detroit, Jacksonville, the, the L.A. Chargers, the New York Jets. My goodness, when you think of the Chargers, they, they've got a stud young quarterback in Justin Herbert with weapons, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, Hunter Henry. To me, that's the job that if I'm Eric Bieniemy, that's the one I want. I don't want New York. I don't want Detroit. I don't want Atlanta or Jacksonville. You know, I, I would want the Chargers, and and unfortunately, of course, that would put him in the AFC West. But what what a fantastic thing that would be! You know, Reed versus Bieniemy. How much will Reed have to change up his offense to attack the Chargers? Because Bieniemy's going to know everything. So that's it's just so many interesting storylines there. Sorry, I know we got off rail there, but it's just no. It's true though. Yeah, if I'm going to advocate for a team, it's the Chargers. <laughs> and if you're the Chargers, isn't that part of the equation for you? Isn't that part of the the the, the selling point? You know, Eric Bieniemy knows how it happened in the, you know, in the franchise that's won five straight division titles and has been to the playoffs every year. They, the the Chiefs are what the Chargers want to be. How do you not, you know, how do you not hire the guy who knows him best and? And the, um, and, and the Chargers gave him his first shot as a professional. They drafted him. That's right. No, that's exactly right. So we'll see. We'll see how it all unfolds. Okay, great conversation, Herbie Teope and Vahe Gregorian. Thanks, guys, and we'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Blair. Thanks, Blair. That'll do it for today. Thanks to our production staff and everyone who helps make Sportsbeat KC happen. Derek Donovan, Beth Welsh, Jeff Rosen, Chris Fickett, and Savannah Smith. A tip of the cap to Herbie Teope and Vahe Gregorian for Talking Chiefs. Links to their stories can be found in the show notes and on KansasCity.com. Hey, we've got another deal for you, especially for those that want to deep dive into the Stars' terrific Chiefs coverage. For a limited time, you can subscribe to Sports Pass for 99 cents a month. That's right, 99 pennies a month. After three months, it auto-renews at $5.99 a month unless you cancel. How do you get it? Well, you go to kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. That's kansascity.com slash sportspass2020. Do you want more than just sports coverage? 
check out the entire Kansas City Star product. Sports news features, commentary, and analysis, the whole thing. Get all the stories written by my talented colleagues, plus additional news, sports, and business coverage with the E-Edition. The details for all of these deals can be found at account.kansascity.com slash subscribe. And if you're having trouble hunting down any of these offers, send me an email, bkirkoff at kcstar.com, and I'll get you to the right place. So whether it's the Sports Pass or the full subscription, you're getting and supporting the best sports and news coverage in Kansas City and helping us produce programs like Sports Beat KC. Thanks for listening. We'll be back on Friday with another episode.